0: Let me say again just how grateful we are if you're a first-time guest on this Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate the risen Lord Jesus. And if you are a guest with us, our tradition, our custom is to worship through singing and through prayer, which we will do in just a moment, but also through the reading of God's Word, which can be trusted and is verified in the reality of of an empty tomb and a risen Savior. And so if you have a copy of the Scriptures, I just want to encourage you to join me in John chapter 20. We will put this up on the screen if you don't have, have a Bible with you. Uh, but I always want to encourage you to follow along if you prefer to do that, and then you can read it the, uh, the rest of the week when we're scattered from this place. Uh, as you're turning, um, you know, one of the realities that I shared earlier about the resurrection, about an empty tomb, about Easter, is that it's all about transformation, it's all about transformation. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where something was so transformed, like it just flooded your heart with joy. Uh, several years ago, uh, our SUV uh, it, it had been faithful for a decade and a half, but it was time to bless that thing and trade it on in. And uh, I wanted a vehicle that got great gas mileage. And I don't care, I just don't want a gas guzzler. I want something that gets great fuel economy. How was I to know in the Lord's provision that four-cylinder car would be such a wonderful, thankful gift in my driveway every morning of 2020 with the rising cost of gas and everything we're dealing with. I love that little four-cylinder sedan. However, I fill up every compartment and every part of that four-cylinder sedan. I'm just crammed in there, but I love that thing. And you know, one of the realities about that vehicle is I, I had never hit anything Previously as a driver, since I had my license, I had never been hit by anything, but that little S that little, that little sedan is a deer magnet. It is a deer magnet. And it wasn't too long after having that vehicle that uh, my father and I were taking a road trip with the boys, and late at night, driving through Ohio, uh, we we hit a deer that must have been hit by a tractor trailer, and it was right there in the middle of the road, came up on us, and we hit that thing doing 75, and you know, sometimes when you're scared as a kid, you look to your parents for confidence, like, as long as they're holding it together, I know I can hold it together, and I looked over at dad while we were airborne, he was gripping the dash like this, and that's when I knew we were in trouble, but, but I'm not kidding you, it, it, it not only caused damage underneath, but several months later we're leaving a wedding. Leaving a wedding, Amy and I are in the car, and a deer ran out of nowhere and hit the car and crumpled the front side and mangled that steel, and I said, look, it has it come time, we've got to get this thing fixed. The wheel was wobbling, and uh, I took it into to, to the, uh, the auto dealer, and uh, if you've ever had a car that's needed that body work, when they bring it out, and you know how bad and how difficult it was before, you are thrilled when they bring that vehicle out, and it looks like new. It, it not only looks like new; like my, my car looked better than it did before. The paint was chipped before. Like this is awesome. Like we're talking about total transformation, and my heart was flooded with joy. Now I want you to think about that 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 kind of word picture there for transformation that's possible in your life. Is it possible that God can transform your life from the inside out in the way in a way that you are overwhelmed with joy? That you're not a better version of you, like you are a completely new creation in Christ and that you got so much joy and excitement that you can't stand it. I- I'm here to tell you that, that's the story of Easter. And that is what's available right, right now, this moment, to any woman, man, teenager, or child in this room or joining us online. I, I mean, let's illustrate the obvious. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ transformed an instrument, the cross, an instrument for humiliation and death into something that now gives us great hope of new life in a resurrected Savior. And some of us wear a cross as jewelry around our necks, a symbol transformed into something so hopeful we can build our lives on it, the finished work of Jesus Christ. I want you to see where this could be true for your life. Maybe you need to believe it again but because it's been a long time since you really believed God's promises in Jesus for you. But if you're in this room and you've never known what Jesus can do for you, I pray you'd have the courage and the boldness to believe for the first time today. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Remain seated. We normally stand in honor of God's word, but we're going to read a few verses. We're going to start in John chapter 20. Read along with me, though, verses 1 through 18. It says, on the first day of the week, which was Sunday... Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. That's, that's John's humble way of referring to himself. She ran to Simon Peter and, and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. And she said to him, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. And at that, Peter and the other disciple, that's John again, referring to himself, Peter and John went out heading for the tomb. And in verse 4, the two of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also finally arrived. And he entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. And the wrapping that had been on Jesus' head was not lying with the linen cloths, but it was folded up in a separate place by itself. And the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. But then Peter and John returned to the place where the disciples were huddled up staying. Look at verse 11 with me. But Mary, that's Mary Magdalene, but Mary didn't have the same response. She stood outside the tomb, and she was crying. And as she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the feet. And these angels said to her, Woman, why are you crying? And she said, Because they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've put Jesus. And in verse 14, having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there at the entrance to the tomb, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, would you please just tell me where you've put him? I'll go get him. I'll take him away. Just tell me. And in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. And immediately she said to him, Rabbani, which in Aramaic means teacher. It's you, Jesus. And in verse 17, he said, don't cling to me or don't hold to me, Jesus told her, since I've not yet ascended to the Father. But here's what I want you to do. Go to my brother's. And you tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and now to your Father, to my God, and, and now to your God. And in verse 18, Mary Magdalene went. And she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told the disciples exactly what Jesus said to her. I have seen Jesus It is undeniable the same Mary that showed up at the tomb is not the same Mary that left the tomb and the only reason or explanation is that she encountered the risen Jesus and my prayer is that you would as well this morning let's pray for just a moment before we dig into this story a little bit deeper God, you have raised Jesus from the dead. It is nothing short of miraculous. Oh, don't let us be so numb. Don't let us dress up and even be thinking more about our lunch plans or whatever's next in the afternoon. As important as that may be, that we don't sit and marvel and worship that you are risen indeed. And because of that, new life And total and complete transformation, not from the outside in, not from us trying to appear or trying to present ourselves to the world in a way we want to be loved, but to be fully known and fully loved by the risen Jesus. The reality of Easter is that anyone can be transformed and begin again in Christ. And we pray that for any of our friends that are in the room, watching online, or in our community that have never known you, Jesus, that they too may leave in the next few moments running with joy and excitement to tell, I have encountered the risen Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, as most of you are aware, you cannot have a risen Jesus without a crucified Jesus. We will not belabor much of what we discussed as a congregation when so many of us gathered on Friday for a Good Friday service, but Jesus was crucified, his perfect, spotless, unblemished blood shed for the sins of you and me, all of us, even cute and cuddly from our baby pictures, born sinful by nature, we have a sin nature, and also by choice left to ourselves. We will do things that are not in our best interest, and we will also do things that may harm or offend others. We are sinners by nature and by choice. And Jesus died for those sins on the cross at Calvary. And when Jesus died on Friday, right right as the sky was getting dark and the sun was about to set, the Jewish Sabbath began at sundown on Friday and God had told his people, no work should be done. Nothing can be done. You are to rest starting at sundown until sundown The next day, a full 24-hour period. Isn't that fascinating that the Jewish people, God's people, were told, rest, your day starts at night. Rest so that you can then work out of the overflow of your rest. But as North Americans, hey, we got a better plan. Let's just run wide open until we're burnt to a crisp, and then we'll rest. No work should be done on the Sabbath. And so when Jesus was crucified, he was hastily brought down from the cross. And those who were, I mean, those women, there was a lot of women around the cross, brave, courageous women. Many of the male disciples fled in fear. So no criticism to them, but many of the women, and just a couple, Joseph of Arimathea and a a religious leader named Nicodemus, they asked for the body of Jesus. Can can we have his body? We want to bury it with dignity. But they had to hurry, and so they, they, they put Jesus in the tomb. It was a borrowed tomb. It wasn't even Jesus' tomb. And they put Jesus in the tomb, and they anointed his body as best they could, and a massive stone was rolled in front of the tomb. So Sunday morning, the first day of the week, as John tells us, would have been the first moment that anyone could, could, could get to the tomb, and those that loved Jesus, can you believe this? Those that loved Jesus, heard his teachings for three plus years, in his public ministry, they fully expected a dead Jesus in that tomb. It's okay if you struggle with faith. It's okay if you like, I wish I was like the heroes of faith. They were going to anoint the body because they expected Jesus to be in that tomb. And when Mary arrives that we just read, the stone is rolled away. And, and Mary immediately assumes someone, someone's taken the body. She looks in and she sees the body is gone. Someone's taken it. Maybe grave robbers took the body. A lot of historians say some, some grave robbers took the body. Grave robbers don't take the body. They take the possessions of the person that's in the tomb. They ain't got no time to haul off a body. She thought maybe the gardeners took it. Did you notice what she said later? She thought they were gardeners. She thought Jesus was a gardener. I don't know why. Maybe it was the grief or the tears in her eyes. You ever been so emotional and crying like you can't see who's in front of you? You ever start crying while you're driving you have to pull over? Like maybe it was that. Maybe for reasons only God knows. She just couldn't see it was Jesus. But She thought he was a gardener. Maybe a gardener took it. She even says, if you'll tell me, And I love this about Mary. She's either bold and like superhuman strength in this moment, or she's just so disheveled and and so confused that she's hysterical and like, just tell me and I'll go get him. Just tell me and I'll haul that body back here. Could you imagine that? And why would a gardener move the body? Gardener's not there to move the body. I'm trying to illustrate for you. Mary Mary shows up disheveled. Are you kidding? I I thought he was going to be in here. He's not in here. Who took his body? Tell me where he is. Tell me where he is, and I'll, I'll go get the body. So she runs and she leaves, and, and she tells Peter and John. Now, now, now listen, if you're curious, like a lot of <laughs> a lot of archaeologists and historians and armchair theologians have said that someone stole the body, the body's gone. Like, listen, the, the disciples were certainly not the ones who, who might have taken the body. They were so scared and afraid. They couldn't organize anything other than huddling up in fear that their lives might be taken from them for following Jesus. So Mary runs to the upper room, and she tells the disciples, I, I, I've, I've seen Jesus, or they, 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 they don't have his body. We don't know where it is. And so Peter and John come running back, and I heard some of your, your, your laughter when I read that story. John is like one of the most, I envision him like, he's probably a five on the Enneagram. It's hard to know what's going on in his head. Very quiet, very reserved. Like, what are you thinking, John? He always listens first, speaks second. I like Peter. Peter's like passionate. It's like me. Like, if you cut my arms off, I could not preach to you, okay? Like, okay, like I like Peter. I resonate with him. Some of you may say, I like John. He's cool, calm, and collected. John is humble enough to say, like the other disciple, you know, the one Jesus loved. He 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 got there first. He's humble enough not to use his name, but competitive enough to say, and I smoked that brother getting to the tomb. But Peter finally got there. He finally got there. John looks in. Peter, passionate, gets there. He's all up in there, right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. He's not here. He's not here. And the Bible says that John saw and believed. John saw and believed there in verse 8. This literally means he accepted everything Jesus said about himself. If there was ever a question before, it's all true. It's all true. It doesn't mean he fully understood everything. I can't explain how God raises Jesus from the dead. Like, uh, you don't have to be able to say, well, um, okay, so scientists have helped us understand the molecular level, here's what God was doing. Like, no. Just because you can't explain it, doesn't mean it didn't happen. I, I, I don't know how a lot of my devices work. I don't, I, I don't know how a lot of things work, but I, I enjoy them and I trust them, right? You, we do this all the time in life. So why wouldn't we do this here? And John says, I, seeing is believed. like it happened. It's true. He believes and, and, he, and he and John, he and, he and Peter, they leave. There's just nothing to see. There's nothing more to see. They're not there to see an empty tomb. As far as John's concerned, Jesus is alive, which means the throne is occupied, and that is good enough for me. And they're out. Several years ago, I went to Memphis on a road trip with some guys, and we went to a Grizzlies game. And we went and ate some great barbecue in Memphis. And so we had a budget, and we had a plan, and we went, and we did it all. And it's the last day, and we're kind of tired over the weekend, and our expenditures have exceeded what we had planned. And so we're like, look, we need to go on home. And somebody said, let's, let's go to Graceland. Let's just go see Graceland. I just want to see where Elvis lived. And I don't really care about Elvis. Did you know Elvis recorded in this building? When there was a recording studio in this building, Elvis, the king, not the real king. It's Easter. Not the real king. <laughs> okay, not the real king. But Elvis recorded here. I was like, I don't really want to go, but we went. I'm tired. We get there. The line is deep. We're standing outside. If you've been to Graceland, you see the wall. People have cried, and they've written their, their salutes to him, and, and they've written things on the wall like talking to him in ways that he could read them if, if that were possible, which is not. And we're standing there, and I'm, I'm, I'm like growing dissatisfied with this whole idea. And one of my buddies, like we're all standing there like eight or nine, us, and one of them goes, he ain't even here. <laughs> now look, I'm a little slow at times, but all of us were like, eh? And we looked down like, you, you just figured this out? And whether he or somebody said, like, we just, like, it, it's him. It's, it's the story of him. It's the persona. It's the essence. Like, who cares about the jungle room? And I was like, right on. Let's load up and go back to Nashville. <laughs> We're not there to see where he was. We wanted to, to get as close to him as we could. That's Peter and John. Ain't nothing more to see here. It, it, the, the story of Easter is... is It is not the tomb itself. The story of Easter is that Jesus isn't there. It's empty, and all of it is true. And the reason it matters is because if Jesus dies for us on Friday and he offers forgiveness of sin, redemption, there's nobody in this room, nobody online, that is beyond the redemption that is found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Nobody. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's in your past. All of that that's made possible on Friday only comes true and is validated and guaranteed when God raises his son from the dead and says, Everything he did. Well done, son. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. And did you notice what Jesus said at the end of the text? Let me just pull that out real quick. Go and tell my brothers, I'm going to our father. Because of the finished work on the cross, and the power of the resurrection, which guarantees that Jesus is saying, we ain't just physical brothers anymore. Like, you get everything I get. Like, you're, you're you sharing the sonship that the Father's given me. How awesome is that? Guys, Mary, you got to go tell that. John's like, I believe. I believe. And, and for some of you that are here, you, you may, like, this is your 40th or your 30th or whatever it is, Easter service you've been to. And you've heard it all. You've heard it all. And it ain't going to be me convincing you. Some of us are John, whether you're male or female, some of us are John. And it's time to believe. It's all true. What more proof do you want? It's all true. Do you want to know the most compelling evidence for the resurrection? It's in the lives of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. This is who I was before I met Jesus. This is when I met Jesus, and this is who I am after. That's the story of Mary. Did you see Mary? She is crying. She is despondent. She is grieving. And even after, Peter and John are like, we out. It's all good. We believe it. But Mary, in verse 11, but Mary, but Mary just stood there at the tomb crying. And the angels had to say, why are you crying? It's just they, they've taken Jesus. She turns around, it's Jesus at the, at, at the tomb entrance, somewhere right around there. And she doesn't know it's him. She says, Woman, which is not disrespectful. It's like saying, Ma'am, in the Southeast. Like, why, why, Woman, why are you crying? They've, they've taken my Jesus. She doesn't know it's him, but she's crying. And then he says, Mary. Mary. And she recognized his voice. She recognized his voice. And she immediately knew, that's Jesus. He just called my name. Like, nobody sounds like that, and he knows me. And he called her name, and she knew. I showed up here discouraged, like weeping, emotional, which are all legitimate realities that any of us, you plug us into that story, we probably aren't like, I believe it all to begin with. John's the only one, I, I love John, John's the only one who believed because he saw an empty tomb. The rest, Mary, Mary Magdalene, the other disciples, they only believed when they saw the risen Jesus. So it's okay if it takes you a while to get there. It's okay if you come with fear and trepidation. But when he called her name, for some of us, it's, it's a Mary moment this morning. Right here and right now, you, you got this holy unsettledness. The, the Lord has been priming the pump of your heart that there's something going on or your life is you, you, you need more stability or you're after like the, the only the, the confidence and, and, and the purpose that Jesus can bring. And it's a merry moment. And right now on this Easter Sunday in 2022, Jesus is calling your name. And only he knows you best and loves you most. Nobody's done for you what Jesus did on the cross Nobody has been resurrected from the grave to say, not only would I died to provide you, I can now guarantee new life, eternal life in me. And, and the same Mary that showed up at the tomb is not the same Mary that leaves. In that moment, she goes from tears and grief to bear hugging Jesus. Now, that's my paraphrase. Here again, a little Southern slang there. But whatever she did was so much, he's like, whoa, whoa, don't cling to me. Like, hey, hey. And, and, and the way it translates is not... Like, stop that. I'm not up for affection. Got a lot to do. It's Easter morning. It's the first thing. I got plenty more to do. That's not what it means. It's saying, don't, uh, you can't detain me. Or don't stop me from what I got to do. Because I, I haven't gone to my father yet. But I'm alive. And you have something to do. I mean, I mean think about the purpose and the significance. Ladies in the room, women were were mistreated. Uh, They they had little dignity. They weren't even allowed to be witnesses in the court of law because people said, your testimony doesn't count. How terrible is that? Can you believe this? We've preached this before at different times when we've walked through this text. He empowers a woman. You will be the first one. How awesome is Jesus? You will be the first one to tell the world. You'll be the first one to tell my disciples And she was so thrilled and so excited that she goes from despondent and discouraged and overwhelmed and crying to so full of joy and excitement that she runs to tell the disciples. The Mary who showed up at the tomb is not the Mary who left the tomb. And the only explanation is she encountered the risen Lord Jesus. And I'm wondering if this is your Mary moment where right now through this text, just happens to be my voice, could be any of our communicators up here, Jesus is calling your name. And here's what's crazy. Listen, Jesus was there the whole time. Mary couldn't see him. Uh, where is he? Where is he? Has anybody seen Jesus? Guess what? Just because Mary can't see him don't mean Jesus ain't there. Jesus... Is always hanging around and is as close like Mary as your next breath. And all he's asking you to do is trust him. It's all true. And so, do you know what Mary did? She got a choice. This is crazy. I can't comprehend this. What if she did that? I'm going to need a little more proof here. How do I know it's you? Remember that miracle you performed about three or four weeks ago? Tell me all the details so I know you're in the room. It was you. No, she didn't do that. Mary went, which means she's a believer. I believe in the risen Jesus because I'm about to stake my life on the claims of Christ. And she runs and she tells. And she runs and she tells, and the disciples run and they tell, and followers of Jesus, they run and they tell for centuries, and here we are in 2022 sitting in the beautiful, wonderful, incredible city of Nashville in Middle Tennessee, and there are believers in this room because it all started with Mary at the tomb when he said, it's all real, it's all true, and everything is made possible because of the power of the resurrection. Run, tell that. And she does. The story of Easter is a story of transformation. It's a story of new life. It's a story of hope. Is it your story? Do you know Jesus? If you do, keep living it out. Keep living it out. Keep verbalizing it. People need to see and hear about Jesus. Some Mary, somebody named John, somebody with a different name woke up in the city of Nashville needing this hope. How awesome is it that God has been faithful to us to allow us to be here so that we can demonstrate and share that hope, keep sharing about it. But if you've never met Jesus and today is your day, I pray that you would have the courage. And even if it requires vulnerability with some trepidation and you can't explain it all, neither could John, neither could Mary. But today is your Jesus moment. And I pray that you'd have the courage to make that decision. Let's pray together for just the next couple of moments.